This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. The team was fantastic. I thought we had a game plan, we stuck to it. Um, pity the fans keep saying it, they weren't here, but I did say that we wouldn't sit back and just, you know, be browbeaten. And uh, when we took our chances, when the chances came, I thought we had a go at them. And credit to all the lads, every one of them. People that come on, the subs, everybody stood up and was counting. Today. Yeah, that's what I keep saying to people, it's all about players. And if the players are buying into it, and obviously what they are at the moment, um, that's what you happens, that's what you get. You get results like that. But no, it's fantastic for the town, fantastic for everybody. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Crawley Town head coach John Yems saying that uh, you do win games if you stick to your game plan. Ah, the beauty of the FA Cup. Welcome to Monday evening with me. This is Off the Ball. Um, Joining me this evening, talking FA Cup third round, we have Cam Raslan. Hello, Cam. Hello there, Ross. You saw a lot of culture over the weekend in the third round, didn't you, Cam? Oh, yeah. Live live for the third round FA Cup, yeah. (laughs) Craig Wilkie also joins us. Hello, Craig Wilkie. Good evening, Ross. The magic of the cup is back, and it's a very good thing. Indeed. Although this next guest may not think so. Arvin Sidhu, hello. I will cover the horrors of the FA Cup, and I'm sure we'll get to that immediately. Spoken like a true Leeds United fan, soldiering through the next hour on radio just for you. <laughs> Do tweet us. You can find us all individually on Twitter or you can tweet at BFM Radio. Also, do follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And we do have a YouTube channel out. It is TFIF on video. Do check it out. All right. Uh, FA Cup third round then. We heard Crawley Town head coach John Yems at the start of the show. Crawley Town 3, Leeds United nil. First time in 34 years, a top flight side has lost to a fourth tier team by three goals or more. I have to come to you first, Arvin Sidhu, because first of all, you, Bielsa didn't disrespect the, the, the cup. He fielded a relatively strong team and you looked at that and you went, yeah, good enough, right? Yeah, should have been good enough, but just one word of the night. It was just woeful. The team was woeful. Uh, he left out the dependables that he can depend on, the Luke Ailings, the Stuart Dallas, Matthias Klitsch, Patrick Bamford. Fine. You, you leave those out, it's granted. Those are your guys that play week in and week out. But the supporting cast, you've got Rodrigo, which is the most expensive player, uh, the, the, the most expensive signing that they've done this last window. He, he didn't make any impact. The youngsters that came in showed that they struggled. And the one thing about this that's really worrying is, Ross, is that Bielsa made some substitutes during halftime that were really, really questionable. When you're 0-0 away from home against a lower-tier opposition, why would you take out Liam Cooper and another central defender and bring in youngsters? And why would you take out Rodrigo, which is a striker, to put Jack Harrison up front? I feel Bielsa overthought this. He tried to experiment and it Mm. just didn't work out. But on the day itself, from minute one, you could see the boys just went up for it. And it's just one of those really dark days in Leeds history. And we've had quite a few. It's um, Bielsa's worst defeat in the FA Cup. Craig Wilkie, did, did, he, did he just get done? Did he just really learn about the FA Cup here this weekend? Or, or do we, are, we, are we not giving Crawley Town enough credit? We should certainly give Crawley Town some credit. Because when you look at the game as a whole... For all that Arvin's right, that Leeds didn't really turn up and they were quite woeful in some aspects of their performance, you've got to give so much credit to Crawley and the way they went about it. I mean, they were just the tempo they played at from the very start. They put Leeds under pressure, harried them and made it a real cup tie. You know, there was no sense of the big boys coming here and just going to get their own way, play the ball around however they want to. It was kind of, you're going to be in a game here and you're in a game from the first minute. I thought there was actually a really beautiful quote from the manager after the game. You can imagine the euphoria in the dressing room after pulling off a shock like that and all the, all the players are so excited. And he, and he said something like, I've been telling the lads to go out and enjoy tonight. And then I remembered, of course, that you're not allowed to go out. There's nowhere to go. So you can't, <laughs> can't even go and celebrate such a historic win as that. And so, so that was a great disappointment. I think also the fact that, you know, I mentioned right at the start of the show, the, the magic of the cup being back. And, and, I, and I hope that's true because I think the the FA Cup has become devalued a little bit over yeah. the last maybe decade or, or even more. But for, for me, the real great shame about a tie like this is that we didn't have the fans there to, 
to witness and experience what a what a phenomenal occasion that that would have been for for Crawley. You know, you can imagine that the whole town would have been so excited in the build up to it, and then all the you know the anticipation of that actually being there to witness a result like that. So. Um, that that's probably the one kind of thing that was that was missing in this whole weekend. But but to see results like that, that's great. I mean, that's for me, that's what third round FA Cup has always been about. Well, a um, bit of novelty as well. Towards the end of the game, TV um, reality TV star Mark Wright from the Only Ways Essex was brought on. Um, apparently, at camp, he he really is part of the Crawley Town setup. So yeah, you asked that yeah, question. Because I ask, because otherwise the FA would have to look into that. Be like that, that, that goalkeeper who ate that pie at a certain time. <laughs> um, I've actually watched The Only Way is Essex. It's, it's as bad as you can imagine it to be. But I, I think that there are two silver linings for Leeds here. One is that, one, they're out of the FA Cup. Uh, because the way that Leeds play, it takes a, a lot of effort. And they just don't need those unnecessary games. They're never going to win the FA Cup. Might as well get out early. And two, Crawley were playing Route 1 football, very old-fashioned football that really nobody in the Premier League plays and nobody in the top half of the championship plays. So they're not going to come across that kind of style of play very often. So they're not designed for it, and they're out good for leads. I don't know why Arvin's upset. (laughs) Yeah, cheer up, Arvin. (laughs) (laughs) All right, that was probably the biggest shock on on paper but uh west brom another premier league side big sam's west brom are also out it was 2-2 against blackpool away from home blackpool won the penalty shootout 3-2 of course no replays it's extra time and straight to penalties uh one-off game behind closed doors um arvin uh, i mean probably for for the good of West Brom that they're not in the cup, they can concentrate on what is still an impossible task of trying to survive. Yeah, uh, but Big Sam would have wanted to at least try to get on the winning or at least stop losing if he could have done that. I mean, he's come out and he's blamed COVID before this. He blamed Brexit for his transfers. I'm wondering if he's going to blame the climate change for 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 the defeat against Blackpool. But uh, in in an overall sense, um, he made changes just like Leeds did. But he still had players that should be able to get through a tie like this. Matthias Pereira played, Sami Ajayi played, Conor Gallagher played. Uh, they've got no striker outlet. That that's that's the one thing about West Brom. They don't have a striker outlet. And obviously, he's gone in and got Robert Snodgrass, who I believe will be a good signing for them. But um, there were still some really woeful performances on the day. Ivanovic, I mean, he looks he was just torrid at the back. Kieran Gibbs as well. Uh, but nice story on Blackpool. I mean, the, the goalkeeper in itself, Chris Maxwell, I mean, besides saving three penalties, just recovering from COVID. Yeah. So again, the beauty of the FA Cup, you see all these nice stories that come up. Uh, and Neil Critchley over there, ex-Liverpool uh, uh, youth, youth coach as well. So... Um, Big Sam would have been disappointed because it's a continuous losing streak that he needs to get out of as soon as possible. Exactly. It's no win in seven now, uh, Craig, for, for Sam Allardyce since joining West Brom. I mean, if if he is the miracle worker everybody thinks he is, he's going to have to start doing something soon. And I mean, let's not forget every day that goes by that the transfer window is is ticking shut as well. Absolutely. And you're right that he he comes with this reputation as being the kind of miracle man who's going to dig you out of trouble when you're in the, the sort of spot that West Brom are. But there hasn't exactly been a great bounce since he took over. Then they had that result at Anfield where they got a draw. can argue to what extent they were a little bit fortunate in that. But overall, when you look at the results and you look at the performances more specifically, it's not been that much of an uptick from what Bilic was getting out of that squad and, and out of that team. So yeah. there's no question that he's going to look to strengthen further in this January window. I agree with Arvind. I think Snodgrass is quite a good signing for, for that squad. Obviously, a striker as well would be some, some position that he'd be looking to strengthen. And, and I, I do agree that if you're a team that's struggling at the bottom of the league, you can, you can look at the FA Cup and you can say it's a distraction. I, I don't ever think it is. Firstly, I, I think the, the tournament should be valued more highly than that. But secondly, from a confidence point of view, it is an excellent opportunity to try and get that win, try and get those players playing with a bit of momentum. And 
just to, I think also playing in a different tournament, it takes away some of that pressure, some of that tension that those guys are feeling most weeks when they go out because they know just how difficult a situation they're in in the Premier League. So this is definitely an opportunity miss for West Brom and they're going to have to recover pretty quickly and start putting some results together in the Premier League and Big Sam knows that for sure if he's going to maintain that reputation that we talked about. Yeah, he comes with a massive reputation. West Brom are currently six points adrift of safety. They've scored only two goals from open play, both coming from uh, a defender, Semi Ayaji or Ajayi. And uh, that's not good. Uh, Do you reckon Sam Allardyce will keep West Bromwich Albion up, Kamarazlan? No, I don't think so. It's a real shame because I I think this is a relegation battle too far. He's never been relegated, uh, which is an incredible record. Uh, Really, pound for pound, he's actually the most kind of like lucrative manager uh, in the history because he keeps teams up, but this one he can't do. But I think we all have to take a breath here. You, everyone's under the assumption that everybody wants to go and win FA Cup matches. Simply not the case. It serves no purpose for West Brom to, to go any further when they've got a lot to concentrate on the, on the league. And if you think about it in terms of they got a draw, essentially, after extra time and everything, mm. That would be a satisfactory outcome for if you were translating that to the league. Take the replay back to the Hawthorns. Yeah, yeah, yeah. All right. Um, Unlucky West Brom or or maybe well done. Who knows? But uh, well done Blackpool, that's for sure. Um, nice beach there, Blackpool. That's all I can say about Blackpool. Um, I don't really. I, I remember the nice beer, time of year for it Blackpool, as well. <laughs> but, but Ross, once upon a time, one of once upon a time, one of the big clubs in England was Blackpool. Stanley Matthews' old club. Yeah, and, uh, yeah, yeah. It's no. nice to see them actually. When, when shorts were really long. <laughs> oh, all right. Other other shocks. Chorley beat Derby County. All right. All oh, depleted. Derby County two nil. Uh, Derby County's entire first team squad. Uh, were, were out uh, because of a COVID-19 outbreak. So I think they sent uh, what was uh, bits of the under-23 and most of the under-18s. And no surprise, uh, Arvin, that a shock was on the cards here. Yeah, Charlie, not league, uh, not side. Uh, again, we, we talked about the FA Cup and how they, they always gives us these little bits of stories that are so nice. I read that the, call, uh, the Charlie groundsman slept on the pitch under a heated tent the night before just to make sure that that was a playable surface. And that, that just shows how much, it just shows how much it means to clubs like this. And they were singing in the dressing room after the game with the Adele song. Uh, but yeah, Derby, the, the way that they went, and Derby are in a mess in the championship. They went out right now. The average of the age of that squad was 19 years young. So that shows that for Derby, it was clear. They, they weren't a West Brom. They weren't a Leeds. They didn't even bother giving it half a team where it would have played in the championship. They just sent everyone out there who was under 23 and under 18, as you said. But well-deserved for Charlie. I, I mean, in, in where they are right now in the English ranking and in the table and that nice story as well. So it's, it's always nice when you see such things and how much it means to those clubs. Yeah, well done. Charlie of the National League North. I think I got that right. Uh, Aston Villa 1, Liverpool 4 was a Friday night game. Uh, Aston Villa 2, hit by the uh, COVID outbreak. So they too sent out uh, their youth side. Uh, Interesting, I think it was a a tweet from their managing director of Aston Villa saying, "Um, our team tonight so young, most of them are going to get dropped off by their parents before kickoff. <laughs> but Craig Wilkie, I mean, Liverpool, Klopp sent out a full-strength full side. And it was an easy win in the end. It was an easy win in the end. And I think largely because, as you say, Klopp maybe surprisingly sent out such a, such a strong side for that tie, particularly given the, the difficulties that Villa were facing. And actually, for me, it's kind of two themes of the weekend there. One is that Premier League sides, by and large, I thought took the tournament quite seriously. They were sending out strong squads and strong teams, even against lower-ranked opposition. And the other one is, as we saw in Villa's case, so many squads now are struggling with the COVID situation and having to find, you know, play kids, not just because it's the FA Cup and they want to rest players, but literally trying to find enough players to to field a team. And we saw that was the case with Villa. We saw, obviously, the case with, with Derby as well. And I think it it raises some questions about, we know what the situation is in the UK generally right now and in other parts of the world. I think we're kind of just working under this assumption that football is going to carry on and it's immune in some ways. But 
The truth is that it's not. And we know that there's going to be Premier League fixtures that potentially are going to be, have question marks over them. We've already seen some postponed. Um, the situation is going to get more difficult before it gets better, I think, in general, but also for, for the football fixtures. So let's just hope that we can get through this period and that the teams can feel field full, full strength sides because it could have a real big bearing on how the league goes as well. If you're forced to basically play a team of, you know, 15 year olds or 16 year olds, almost as, as was the case with, with Villa. And, you know, it, again, as I haven't said, there were some beautiful moments in that. I mean, there was a wonderful interview after the game with a goal scorer and he was yeah. just so, so thrilled, you know, and it was such a wonderful moment to, to play in as big a match as that score against Liverpool in the FA cup. And you can imagine today, you know, he's, he's back at school or in, or in Zoom class doing geography, you know, something like that. And surely taking the, the acclaim of all his, all his peers and his, his school friends. And so some wonderful moments, but I think also some, you know, maybe slightly more concerning things that we have to think about over the next few weeks as well in terms of what it's all going to mean for football. Absolutely. 17-year-old Louis Barry of Aston Villa was not the youngest goal scorer this weekend. We'll, we'll come up with, with, more, with details of that person for you. First, though, a very short break. Well, the rules have been clarified and, and they've looked to, to balance things fair, in a fairer fashion. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Immediate thrust, recognisable certainty and a nasty dig in the ribs. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back looking at the third round of the FA Cup. Uh, Cam Razlan, Craig Wilkie and Arvin Sidhu joining me this Monday evening to talk about Everton 2, Rotherham 1. This one uh, was 1-1 after 90 minutes, so extra time needed. In fact, just about five minutes of extra time, and Everton were ahead again. They VAR played a part in this game. Uh, Cam, did you see the goals from this one? Uh, I did, and I thought that the uh, Rotherham goal was uh, the, the, the fellow who took the goal. I've forgotten his name now. Uh, American footballer. Um very well done. Uh, Ex-Manchester United player, isn't he? Olusunde. Olusunde. Yeah. And uh, He came uh, right out with, back. with no number on his back. He obviously changed his shirt at halftime. Which, yeah, made yeah, and he was easier to spot. But he was giving Everton quite a lot of trouble. And so he's dipped down in the, 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 the leagues. But I wonder if there's something there to be looking out for. Hmm. Uh, going back to what Craig said earlier about putting out full-strength teams, uh, I was surprised to see... One Liverpool taking it very seriously, but also Everton as well. Yeah, uh, it's uh, that was a, a good sign, but they made uh, it was a lot of hard work for them against Rotherham, which I think is in Yorkshire. That's about all I can say. <laughs> <laughs> um, the guys on Friday, Arvin, were saying that this is the trophy for to to, to that Ancelotti is winnable for Everton, uh, that can actually measure progress for the club. And, and they would be really happy if they can do it. So no surprise, it was quite a strong Everton team. All right, without Richarlison, uh, without Calvert-Lewin, but still, um, you, you'd expect them to win. And, and you saw James Rodriguez pulling the strings. But without him, it's a problem, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Uh, and I remember the Friday show as well. Craig had said that uh, uh, Shang Tawson would probably start and he scored. So Shang Tawson comes in. Should have had two, really. Exactly, he should have had two. But before Abdullah Dukare scored, there was a moment of contention at the other end where Rotherham had, had taken a shot and it hit the handball of, of the Everton player. Call wasn't given for them. But when you've got the likes of James Rodriguez, Luca Dean coming back in, Dukare, obviously you're going you're gonna to show quality. But th this is right. For a club like Everton, the last, the last FA Cup being in 995, uh, Paul Ryder, I remember that was one of the first games I ever watched uh, live on TV. This would mean so much to them because they've been starved of that that trophy that they need in the cabinet, and they're a big, big, big team in England, in Merseyside. So I can see why if if Carlo takes them at least to the semis, it will be a season well done. And if he wins it, he'll go down in Everton folklore because they haven't won a title for so long. So I can see why they're taking this one seriously. Cheng Tosun is predominantly a squad player for Everton, but I, I thought he, he had a really good outing, Craig Wilkie. Uh, he put in a good shift, should have had two goals. I can't believe VAR always ruled out that one. I mean, it's ridiculous. Uh, but all in all, Everton showing they have depth and maybe, I know, I know this was hard getting over Rotherham, but have to be considered contenders. Oh, absolutely. And 
you're right. We can never quite believe VAR. So let's just, you know, <laughs> put that one down as, as what, it, what it always is. Um, but I wonder actually, you know, about the point that Cam made earlier. And I think it's, a, it's a, probably a true point, but a sad one in many respects of how many teams just don't care that much about whether they're in the next round of the FA Cup or not. And whether maybe even they, they see it as a silver lining not to have to, to concentrate on it in terms of fixture congestion. But there are definitely some teams who do. And as you mentioned, Everton surely fall into that category as a, as a sign of where the club is going. And I think it's important about the mentality of a club. It's, it's not just about whether you win trophies. It's about whether you're serious in your intent about trying to win trophies. And you could tell that that was the case with Ancelotti at the weekend. You could tell by not just the team that he put out, but he, they'd been clearly told before the game that this is important. We want to be in that next round. We want to be the sort of club that's challenging for trophies, that's challenging for silverware. And I think that's, that's part of the whole shaping of how a, how a club operates. And it's, it's not just about that one game. It's not just about the prospects of winning a trophy this season. It's about those players understanding that every time they take the field for Everton, there's expectation and that there's pressure and that this club wants to, to go on to the next level. And where that takes them this season, whether it's qualification for Europe, maybe even qualification for Champions League, who knows, it's such a crazy season or maybe winning a trophy such as the FA Cup, that can only be a good thing for the fans. They want that. They want their club to take every game seriously. They want them to go into every tournament looking to win it. And so they'll be very pleased, even though it was a difficult game, as everybody's pointed out, it wasn't easy to get over Rotherham. They'll be happy to be in the next round and they'll be happy with that mentality that Ancelotti's instilling. Yeah, absolutely. Everton's name into the Monday night draw. I believe it's happening half-time or full-time after the Stockport-West Ham game. So we'll post out the, the draw on, on our Facebook page. Uh, let's move on. Man United uh, will almost certainly get to the semi-final stage and then get knocked out because that's the way it goes. They beat Watford 1-0 to progress from the third round. Scott McTominay, who's been at the club since he was five, um, captained the side and he celebrated it with a Monk-style haircut. Um, not his best look. <laughs> but um, nice headed goal. Uh, not a lot else to say from the game. I'm sure if you saw the highlights, it would have been a really short one, Cam. Uh, <laughs> yes, and I didn't. I didn't even bother watching to the end because the, the goal came so early. It's like, well, nothing else is going to happen. So, but what actually I found interesting was uh, Ole's um, celebration at the goal. His body language was kind of like, oh my god, we've just scored a goal, and, and oh my god. That's a relief. Uh, it, it wasn't like charging onto the pitch and roaring. It was like, oh my, we're, we're one day closer to Christmas. Uh, it, it, I don't. It, everything's a relief out there, and I can't believe they're so high in the league and that they win matches. How do they do this, Ross? <laughs> well, they, they've won. They've won the most games uh, in what? the season I, so far. I, yeah, I, I know. <laughs> but the big picture is. They're actually more worried about Tuesday night's game, which we'll talk about later, which is the league. So Ole took a, a risk of sorts, Arvin Sidhu, fielding a, a reserve side. I mean, the most important thing for Man United fans is Bruno Fernandes did not play a single minute. So he's rested. Yeah, I mean, I was reading they made nine changes. I mean, Dan James looked impressive on the left-hand side. I Can't don't know. Dan again. James, all he has is pace. That's it. Yeah, yeah, you might as well get and, Usain uh, Bolt to play for you. <laughs> uh, one Mata, I thought one Mata control proceedings a bit better. And Donny van der Beek, I mean, with, there's been a lot of talk about him. Yeah, he showed his quality. I he came in, there were some flicks and tricks. Yeah, but uh, in, in an overall sense, we and we're going back to the Scott McDominay uh, talk again, it would have meant so much to him that he's captain the side and he's scored. And I was reading how Ole feels that he could really mold Scott McDominay into a box to box midfielder. He scored two goals against Leeds. He's got one now against Watford. Uh, he, he plays in a much more of an advanced role for Scotland when he plays for them. So in an overall sense, Ole will be happy. Nine changes, completely happy. Make it onto the FA Cup. Doesn't matter how they've done it. And as you say, match versus Burnley, so important. And then the big one against Liverpool. So Ole will be very happy with how he is right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I, you all, most people who listen to this show regularly will, will know I, I am a Man United fan. And even I agree with what Cam said earlier, Craig Wilkie. How are Man United up there? I mean, I, I guess Ole doesn't get enough credit, really, because he gets a lot of flack on, on all forms of media. 
I think that's true. I, I'll tell you why they're winning a lot of matches because Manchester United have some very high quality footballers. And the thing that really struck me about, about the lineup against Watford was yes, he'd made nine changes and you can justifiably claim it was a reserve side. But I tell you what, it's not a bad reserve side anymore. There's still some really good players coming in to do a job there, whether it's Mata, whether it's Greenwood getting a, a chance up front. It still looked like a very solid team. It's a team that would still do well in the Premier League if he was to play that most games. And I do just want to mention McTominay as well, because I know that he's a player who hasn't always convinced maybe some Manchester United fans or, or some pundits when they've watched him, especially in the early days when he broke through. But for me in the last maybe six months or so, definitely since the start of this season, he's just matured. And as Arvin said, it seems as though even his, his role has changed a little bit. He's got a bit more, bit more confidence, maybe a bit more leeway to get forward. And he's showing, I think he's always had a lot of discipline. He's always been, you know, someone who will kind of sacrifice himself for, for the greater good of the team. He'll work very hard to kind of organize players around him. But what we're starting to see is that he's got some real technical ability as well. Yeah. He can play a pass. He can, he, can take, he can take up space in and around the box. And he's actually starting to add some goals to his game. So what a complete player he's becoming. I think he's definitely benefited from playing alongside Fernandez and, and learning from him. He'll, he'll benefit and learn from even in training from being around the likes of Van de Beek as well. So very, although it wasn't a vintage performance by any means, it's still positive signs for Manchester United in terms of the momentum, that winning habit, getting through games, picking up victories and looking ahead to more difficult games to come, but doing so with confidence, I would say. Yeah, um, bodes well for Scotland, Scott McTominay's form. Uh, We've we been checking the press, but as far as we still know, uh, Watford are still on their fifth manager in two years. Cisco Munez is still in charge of Watford as we speak. Uh, all right, very quickly going into the break. Arsenal 2, Newcastle 0 was a dull fest. It was a late game. It was nil-nil after 90 minutes. Two goals in extra time. VAR used to... Uh, overturn a red card here rightly has to be said for Emil Smith-Rowe um, Arsenal the, the cup holders do you fancy them this season Cam can they do any damage I think so I think so it depends of course on how seriously everyone else takes it I think Everton are looking kind of interesting but uh, Arsenal would definitely be taking this one seriously and uh, but I think for look at Newcastle's point of view uh, at the end of full time it was nil-nil Against Arsenal, that was a point Steve Bruce would have been very happy. Uh, so, they, But they just didn't have the energy uh, and the fitness that the Arsenal players showed in extra time. That's a good uh, sign for Arsenal as well. Yeah. Andy Carroll, had he put that second oh. chance away instead of shooting it straight at Leno? It was inside 90 minutes. That was the chance. If Newcastle were going to do anything, it was then. All right, your FA Cup third round review continues right after this break. Five yards out, unchallenged, unmarked, makes absolutely no mistake. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. They are off and running in 2021. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Looking back at the weekend's FA Cup third round with myself, Ross, along with Cam Raslan, Craig Wilkie and Arvin Sidhu. Do tweet us. You can find us all individually on Twitter. Alternatively, tweet at BFM Radio. Follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. And we do have a YouTube channel out. It is TFIF on video. Do check us out. Do subscribe to our channel Please. All right, Chelsea 4, Morecambe 0. Last season's FA Cup run, run, runners-up, Chelsea returning to winning ways, Arvin Sidhu, and it was much needed as well. Frank Lampard fielded a strong side. The idea was to, to get the new signing scoring, and it worked. Havertz got a goal. Werner got a goal. They looked good, and it was needed. It was. Uh, and good management by Frank Lampard. I mean, he could have chosen to to not play the, the, the guys who have been not doing in the league, but he kept them a run out against Morakam. Uh, Werner scored. Kerpa Arizabalaga kept a clean sheet. I think that's the first one he's done since July last year. So that shows what kind of a liability he's been at the back for them. And another really, really bright spark for them was Hakim Ziyech again. My God. I mean, if, if Chelsea have had Hakim Ziyech more available and fit, he would have given them so much more from a perspective of SS and opening up defences. Morakam was quite well organised, I thought. I thought they defended quite well. 
But it's just when you look at that Chelsea starting lineup, even with the changes that he did, with the young Billy Gilmore coming in, it's still such a strong squad that could hold his own against Premier League. So he'll be happy, but now the likes of Werner, Harvards have to do it with higher class opposition in the Premier League. Hopefully yeah, it's a confidence booster. Absolutely. Assuming that the title challenge, maybe they're a season or, or so still away from that, Chelsea. FA Cup is realistic, Cam. Uh, if you're Frank Lampard, you've got to be thinking about maybe walking out of Wembley in May, hopefully to a full Wembley as well. Yeah, uh, and then being sacked immediately after, even if he wins. <laughs> <laughs> so what does it matter? Ye of little uh, faith. Yeah, but can I just say uh, two things? One is, I love the way that Arvin pronounced it, uh, Murakam, because it makes Morecambe sound... <laughs> oh, sorry, sorry. It, it makes Morecambe sound delicious. Uh, <laughs> but, 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 but also... But also, it, uh, looking, watching this match, I felt really sad. This was the, the saddest <laughs> I've been during, during COVID, because for, for Morecambe, to play at Stamford Bridge would have been their income for, I don't know, a couple of years. And, and the place was empty and they missed out on that. And the, that it was just a really sad sight. So, uh, yeah, I, I hope that they, that they can somehow, I don't know if they get any recompense for that, but an empty stadium when they would have been so happy to be there. That's very sad. Yeah, I guess that the chief, takeaway out of this, Craig Wookie, will be that Timo Werner ended his 827-minute goal drought. Uh, that's massive when you come for a lot of money in the Premier League. Yeah, it is a big deal, and I'm sure he and Lampard will have been very happy about that fact. I agree with what Arvin said. It, it was important for those Chelsea players just to, to go out and, and build some confidence, even against lower-level opposition. But the real test will come in midweek or next weekend to see how far that translates when they're up against a better quality of player. I would just like to mention Billy Gilmore, however, because although it wasn't the best game I've seen him play for Chelsea, it was just good to see him back because I know he's had some injury problems and he's maybe, in fact, the, the great hope of Scottish football. I mean, we talked about McTominay and how, how good it is from a Scottish perspective, his form, but Gilmore has the potential, I think, to be a world-class footballer. His, his vision, his awareness, he's so mature in one so young, the way he, he dictates games. Um, even though you know, he's, he's quite a slight figure, you know, he doesn't, he's not physically imposing, but the things he does on the ball are, are so impressive. And of course, it's a very hard midfield to break into with the sort of quality that Chelsea have. But if he can do that and get a run of games, it'll be really interesting to see where, where he takes his career to this season and beyond. Scotland's Phil Foden. Is, is what I would classify. <laughs> you, might, you might put it like that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, exactly the right place as well. Um, all right. Um, unlucky, Morecambe. Delicious, as you may sound, okay. <laughs> as Arvin called you. Um, but yeah, well done, Chelsea. They're into the draw. Marine nil. Tottenham 5 was one fairy tale that just could not get realised. Um, but Marine went into the game selling virtual tickets for £10 a pop. They sold, what was it, 20, 30,000 tickets in the 30,000, yeah. Amazing, amazing. Fairy tale story. Um, but sadly, all the build up to the game, I was, you know, if you follow social media, like on Twitter, it was, it was littered with pictures of people filling the streets of North Liverpool. And a lot of them weren't wearing masks. I mean, I don't want to be a party pooper here, but England is supposed to be in lockdown. And I posted some of these pictures up on Facebook and all my friends in England just commented and just went, oh, disgusting. They're so irresponsible. But all that aside, um, Jose went out, did the business, Kamraslan. Yeah, and also very exciting debut for uh, this young player called Delhi Ali. <laughs> he was uh... pretty good, wasn't he? <laughs> He was very good. I think he has a, a great future, uh, especially yeah. under Marina, who likes that. <laughs> oh, is it? Uh, okay, well, that's the end of that then. Uh, th this is apparently the biggest gap in um, yeah, in is. clubs ever in, in FA Cup history. Over 140 places or something? 116, uh, yeah. 160? I'd never it heard been of so, It would have been so popular. It would have been just so, so, so popular at Marina. Oh, but it wasn't... But it, it wasn't even vaguely close. It, it uh, wasn't. It, it no, was all even this half time. Yeah, this understrength um, makes well, not makeshift, experimental, shall we call it? Uh, Spurs team just walked through them. Uh, so you know, yeah. 
Talk about young players. Uh, Elfie Devine was born in 2004. Uh, uh, not, it's, not, it's, not a lot of it's not a big stretch for most people to think where they were in 2004, listening to this right now. Elfie uh, Devine was I'm... born in 2004. He came on and he scored probably the nicest goal of the game. I thought. Wearing a shirt. <laughs> uh, I, I'm wearing a shirt that I bought in 2004. <laughs> <laughs> there you go. But Arvin, that, that's a, another one of these FA Cup stories that comes it out. Is. This, this, it the, is. The, the world's oldest football tournament. Exactly. True magic. I mean, the biggest gap, I mean, Marine player with, I think, the Northern Premier League, I mean, Division 1 Northwest or something. But again, their entire squad, they earn about £1,750 per week. That's the entire squad. Tottenham's reserves so under-18s earn more than that. So that's just, it's just the gap is just absolutely crazy. I read a story as well that they, 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 what Marine did was they put numbers around the pitch. Yes. So they knew that when the balls went into the houses, they would know to whose house to go and it's, collect the it, balls it's from. It's for the ball boys. So they go, hello, it's for the ball. have uh, Exactly, exactly. <laughs> but we talk about Alfie Devine, uh, Lucas Mora scored, but I don't get one bit. Carlos Vinicius, he comes in and scores a hat-trick. Why are you doing a Kylian Mbappe type celebration when you've scored against an eighth tier opposition? <laughs> we get it, it's a hat trick, but you're winning 5 0. I mean, come on. That there's better times to do such things. Celebration of goal is all okay, but he was looking so proud. Kylian Mbappe, a little crossover his hands. I mean, Carlos Vinicius. Come on, it's eighth tier opposition you're playing against. So, but again, Alfie Divine, that was a nice story as well. Dele Ali got a run out. A nice free kick from Lucas Mora for his goal. So overall, Jose will be happy. He would love to deliver this cup for Zotin. The beauty of the times we currently live in, for me, is the fact that you can, you can marry social media to live football and live sporting events. I, I, I was reading tweets from people saying, it's surreal. I'm looking out my window and I see Gareth Bale. Well, in, in a Scouse accent, but you know what I mean. <laughs> but that was on Twitter. And, and it was, it was yeah, it was really Cinderella story football. It's a shame it couldn't work out. But for Spurs, we, Divine was a plus. I mean, all, all, all uh, the Vinicius looked good as well, Craig Wilkie. So Mourinho will, will come out of that thinking, yeah, good day's work. Well, actually, for me, what was the nicest story was that after the game, the... Um, the Marine manager, who I think is called Neil Young, actually, yes. when, he was, when he was given his press conference, he said, you know, what, what really struck him about the occasion was how generous Mourinho was. You know, that, and he said about Mourinho that Mourinho really gets English football. You know, he, he brought Bale off the bench as part of the occasion, that he offered a set of strips to the team, and he said that we're even going to send you our, our strips when they're all washed, right? Because they couldn't, they couldn't change... They couldn't swap shirts at the end of the game because of the restrictions right now. Mourinho said, don't worry, we're going to take them back. We're going to wash them. We're going to send them to you so that your players have those. And he just said, you know, in all of those gestures, it was just a wonderful way of Mourinho kind of um, marking what that day meant to the opposition. And, and I think his whole point about when he came out and said he really gets English football, he understands the traditions. He understands how important some of these, these things are. And, and I thought that was just a really nice touch. About, about the whole game. And as you say, everything around it, you know, about knocking on the door to get the ball back and, and stuff <laughs> like that. I mean, it's, that's, that's why, you know, I mean, we watch so much football and, and, and we, when you get to see a game like that, it's, it's just something so different from, from what we're used to. So yeah. it was wonderful for, for all those reasons. But also from Spurs' point of view, they, you know, you get a win. You go on and, and they're another club a bit like Everton, who, as yeah. we mentioned, they'll be taking this tournament seriously. You know, Mourinho, it's, it's very important to Mourinho when he joins a club that he wants to get that first piece of silverware in the bag. And he will see this as an opportunity for sure for Spurs, the FA Cup. Another funny, good, great sight was um, the, the house owners dressed to the nines at the back of their garden with glasses, with, you know, it's the poshest glass they have in their house. Glasses of wine, <laughs> yeah, the crystal wine, glasses out for this one. Yeah. <laughs> and then the girl standing next to the girl, the, the girl with the wine, had, to, had a horn. Just went, <laughs> Classic Liverpool stuff. Brilliant. Um, in a nutshell, then, that's your FA Cup third round. Uh, we're going to go for our final break. When we come back, we'll, we'll tell you what's happening during the week. Stay tuned. No happy return, but a reality check bordering on a rude awakening. Off the ball on BFM 89.9.
For their season off and running with a goal inside eight minutes. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking with us. Arvin Sidhu, Cam Raslan and Craig Wilkie here. We talked about the FA Cup just to tidy up some of the results. Wolves beat Crystal Palace 1-0 in an all-Premier League tie. Nottingham Forest beat Cardiff 1-0, so Bob's happy. Um, Norwich beat Coventry 2-0. Bournemouth beat Oldham 4-1. Leicester 1-4-0 away at Stoke. Burnley are through after extra time and penalties against Milton Keynes. Tough old Milton Keynes. Um, Yeah, uh, that's really about it. Man City, we didn't talk about City. City beat Birmingham City 3-0. So that's your FA Cup then. There is one more FA Cup tie happening uh, tonight, tomorrow morning. It's a 4 a.m. kickoff. It's Stockport County against West Ham. Uh, The Hammers, 86 places above Stockport County, Arvin Sidhu. I mean... Obviously, we're all going to be cheering for Stockport, aren't we? Oh, we are. And Stockport County, I was reading, their manager, Jim Gannon, he's managed them more than 500, 500 games. I think it's 504 or something wow. across three spells. So he's obviously someone who knows the club very well. Uh, he spent most of his playing career there as well. So I was just reading up a little bit about that. But Stockport has actually got a good good record against West Ham in the FA Cup. They've knocked them out two times out of the last three times they've played. So West Ham are going to be a little bit careful about this, but David Moyer's side has shown um, much more professionalism that a lot of people would have given him credit for. So they, they would be taking this one seriously and I, I expect them to go through with a professional performance on the night. Sneaky outside bet to win the FA Cup. David Moyes and West Ham, Cam Raslan. That's a, that's a good shout there, uh, Ross. I think West Ham would certainly fall into that category of clubs which will be taking this seriously. They're, they're very safe in the, uh, in the league. Uh, they could even do better. But they, they can afford to really have a go at this one. And David Moyes would love to. Gosh, all those critics over those years that he'd be going to justify himself with. Yeah, I don't know. West Ham, good shot. Yeah. Um, all right. Uh, that's happening at 4 a.m. Stockport County against West Ham. And then there are a lot of rearranged Premier League games. Um, Wednesday at 1 a.m. Sheffield United bottom side take on Newcastle 15th. It's got nil nil written all over it. Craig Wilkie, this one. Well, that would get Sheffield United another point. So I guess that might be positive <laughs> from, from, from their perspective. I I've said this before that I I feel as though, I mean obviously they're in dire dire trouble with the with the situation and the, the points total that they have at, at this stage. But I maintain that their performances over the course of the season haven't been as bad as the the league table would reflect. Um, yes, they've definitely lacked the cutting edge. They lack that focal point up front, someone that you really feel is going to score them enough goals to get out of trouble. But some of their overall play in terms of organization, in terms of some of their build-up, has actually been all right. And as we've mentioned before, nobody's really been going and turning them over. They haven't been getting beat 3-4-5-0 week in, week out. They've been fairly competitive in games. But at the end of the day, you have to turn some of those performances into not just results, but wins, if you're going to have any hope of staying in, in the league. And, and that's what they've been yeah. completely unable to do. Yeah. And, and this is a game at home against Newcastle and no disrespect intended to Newcastle whatsoever, but this is an opportunity to finally get three points on the board and they're going to have to take it now or in the very, very, very near future to give themselves any sort of hope of, of trying to climb their way up, up the league and, and out of trouble. So this is a massive, massive game for them. And let's see, I, I give them a little bit of a chance here, to be honest, uh, just because of, you know, the, the, whole, the whole scenario of the last few weeks, how many games teams have played, you know, which team are you going to be able to field depending on injuries, depending on other circumstances. So huge game. Yeah, it could be the game where their big money signing, Rian Brewster, actually starts to repay uh, some of that transfer fee. It's a Wednesday 1 a.m. kickoff, that one. Kicking off at 4.15 on Wednesday morning is Burnley against Man United. It's 16th against 2nd. This one's big because it's Man United's game in hand, Arvin Sidhu. A draw or a win will be enough to push Man United above Liverpool when they go into meeting each other at the weekend. So it's big in that respect. It's huge. 
it's absolutely huge from a psychological perspective it's huge because if united go above liverpool and then they go to anfield next week to play liverpool and considering the away record that man united have that if they remain undefeated at liverpool it would be one year since they've lost away from home so it's it's huge this this is a huge game for united and you would expect all the big boys to show up to to play the likes of bruno will come in he would be expected to deliver um so in that sense the united that we know uh, and probably a couple of seasons back, we would have said that, okay, Burnley at home uh, very much uh, will give, give them a run for their money. They'll bully them off the ball. They'll probably get a 1-0. But this United has got a certain steal about them away from home. And I, I know we've talked about that we don't understand how they're that far up the table. But the point is, they are because the results are going their way. Players are showing up when they are needing to show up. Uh, you could talk about Bruno Fernandes all you want. But in yeah. the last game, if Eric Bailly didn't make that saving yeah. dish tackle, yeah. they, they, would, they wouldn't have got the points. So everyone is playing their part. So I, this is a huge game for United. And I expect them to go through and go to Anfield with the lead over Liverpool next. Yeah. And, and for me, uh, I, I follow the club religiously, of course. Uh, players like Marcus Rashford, you can see marked improvement in the player. You can see how he's actually maturing, going along the right path. It's all very exciting. Do you think United will will get what they need here, Cam? Uh, yeah, 1-0 uh, penalty. Uh, some <laughs> United player will fall, a, fall over his own feet. Yeah, and, uh, and there you go. But then at some point, though, there's going to have to... We're going to have to stop the vote. There's going to have to be a recount here because if United do go on and win, then Liverpool fans are going to storm somewhere like Americans <laughs> storm the capital because these numbers just don't add up. Uh, I don't understand how United are doing it. But having said that, it would show that really managing, ta- managing the tactics of a football club is not rocket science. You get good players, as Craig said. You make them play efficiently, effectively, consistently, you can win. Yeah. You don't have to be revolutionary. I think Solskjaer is being just plain old evolutionary, which when you think about it, actually maybe Ferguson was. Yeah. The trick is just to keep those players who are all tip top athletes playing for you, playing to the system you want. And then you can't complain really. All right. It's a massive game. Wednesday, 4-15, Burnley in 16th, Man United in second, Wolves in 13th, take on seventh place Everton. Uh, it's all. It's also a Wednesday, 4:15 a.m. kickoff. Wolves won in the FA Cup thanks to an Adama Traore goal. Um, uh, they beat Crystal Palace one 0 Craig Wilkie. Uh, it's surprising to say he doesn't score many. He should be. We should be saying Adama Traore with a beauty every week, but we don't. Yeah, he, one player this season that's maybe not quite lived up to the hype. Um, you know, he was such an important player. In spells last season, I think sometimes that was coming off the bench and he became, you know, a real impact player. We, we know the attributes he has in terms of his physique and his physicality, how fast he is. And he should give defenders more problems on a more regular basis. I mean, you made the point about Dan James earlier, you know, about is he, is he just a one-trick wonder? Is it only pace? I think Traore a little bit too. He has to, to work on that final product. You know, the, the delivery into the box should probably score more goals than he does as well, for sure, as you pointed out. But still a very dangerous player on his day. And that's true of the Wolves team in, in general. They still have some, some very good players, some very good attacking players. I think the, the Jimenez injury has really kind of disrupted their season mm. a little bit, you know, when he got the, the, you know, the kind of sickening blow to the head uh, at Arsenal. Because um, he's such a focal point for them. And obviously and, they're missing Jota since, since he left. Yeah, and um, Ancelotti is going to be looking for an away win here. To keep Everton oh, yeah. in the picture. Absolutely. And Everton, as we've talked about, you know, they had such a great start to the season. Then they, they maybe fell back a little bit. There was a bit of a stutter. And then they've come back stronger again in the last maybe month, six weeks or so. The FA Cup, as we mentioned, just kind of builds on that momentum. And they'll be looking to take that back into the league. And again, as, as I mentioned before, it's, it's still such a strange old season that yeah. a club like Everton will still have very high ambitions for it. I mean, the... When you look at how tightly packed the league is, there's really not much between teams in sort of second and third place all the way down to eighth or ninth, something like that. So it's a very, very competitive league. And if a, if a team like Everton can put a run together, they can put themselves right back up there in contention. All right, 4.15, that one kicks off uh, Wolves in 13th against seventh place Everton. Um, Man City against Brighton. We'll very quickly talk about this one. City in fifth, 
going great, but obviously to Brighton in 17th, they've been slowly sinking. I remember at the start of the season how we all said they played good football, but they just haven't been getting the results. They are now well and truly in the dogfight. They are. Uh, and Graham Potter, for all his, like what you say, the, the beauty of the way that he plays, there are a couple of bright sparks in that team. But other than that, they, they don't get results. They, they've basically been, they, they've lost and they've drawn too many games. At times, I feel Brighton's a bit unlucky with the results that have gone their way. A little bit like Sheffield United, they don't get hammered on the day, but they don't churn out enough results. They're very fortunate that the likes of Fulham and West Brom are below them. If not, they, they, they would be where they, where they deserve to be, which is in the relegation dogfight. But we've talked about United being how important the game is for the midweek. The third person to the party of Man United and Liverpool is Man City. Because yeah. if Man City win their game in hand, yeah. they're one point behind. And they've quietly gone about their way with the best defence in the league. So that's something that I didn't think we would say about City this season. But they've got the best defence in the league. So. And, and that's thanks to John Stone. Also, never thought we'd say that. Yes. <laughs> Thursday, one o'clock kickoff, Man City, Brighton. Aston Villa, Tottenham. Who'd you fancy in that one? This, this should be an interesting game. Assuming Villa can put some sort of first team out, it should be good because they're, they're two attacking sides. Well, I say attacking Spurs away. <laughs> yeah, Ross, attacking Spurs. Come on. <laughs> yeah. So many times you, 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 this season, you see Spurs on the, the, the sheet and you think, oh, this could be exciting. It never is. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a very pragmatic man, is Mourinho, and he will be against the likes of uh, Villa. It, oh, gosh, it could be exciting, couldn't it, if they really go for it? But they're not going to. And it's going to be dull. And it'll be a nil-nil and Mourinho will be happy. Thursday, 4 15 AM kickoff that one Aston Villa Tottenham Arsenal eleventh take on Crystal Palace in fourteenth that one is Friday four AM that's it that's all the time we have so I'm gonna say thanks to Craig Wilkie thank you very much thanks to Arvin Sidhu thank you everyone keep safe especially if we have any impending news of more stringent procedures that we need to follow yeah absolutely here here and thanks Cam Razlan thank you Ross have a great safe week everybody speak to you on Friday bye bye. Off the ball every Monday on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, the business station.